Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today's episode of When in Romance is sponsored by Book Riot's new podcast, Adaptation Nation, where we read it, we watch it, we talk about it. That's right. Book Riot is taking on your favorite literary adaptations, including new releases, old favorites, underrated gems, and interesting messes. We'll dive into how the books and adaptations themselves came to be, publication and production backstories, casting what-ifs, critical reception, and more to answer that ever-burning question. Was the book actually better? And does that question actually even matter? Up first, Jeff, co-host of Book Riot Podcast, and Amanda and Jen, the co-hosts of Get Booked, will be breaking down the sci-fi classic Dune and the new adaptation, you know you want to hear their hot takes. Subscribe on your podcatcher of choice starting November 1st. And if you are listening to this podcast when it came out, you can do it right this very second. Go look up Adaptation Nation on your podcatcher and subscribe now. Hello, and welcome to When in Romance, where we get to talk about all of the great things about romance and romance landia. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording episode 93 on Thursday, October 28th, 2021. I feel like I need to throw in my obligatory, oh my gosh, we're getting so close. <laughs> because we are. We are. But also, I don't necessarily know that people want to hear me do it for another 14 weeks after having done it for probably the last 10. But you know what? I stand by it. We're getting close. We're getting close. And you know what? I'm actually pretty excited for Adaptation Nation because you and I and a few of our special guests have often talked about romance adaptations and the good and the bad of them. So I am curious to see where they're going to go with that podcast. Yeah. And also, everybody feel free to like, write into Book Riot and tell them you want them to also talk about romance adaptations. Yes. Because Jess and I will help set them up. Totally. I mean, who doesn't want to hear, you know, Jeff and Amanda or Jeff and Jess, maybe whoever talk about Bridgerton, (laughs) right? Like, come on, Virgin River, you know, I feel like there are more that are upcoming. Yeah, let them know. Let them know that, that that's the content you want from, from the wedded romance community. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, it's actually, I think it's going to be really cool. They Actually, if you listen to the Book Riot podcast, it's the only one that's just called the Book Riot podcast. Um, a podcast about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading, if I remember their tagline correctly. <laughs> but they've been doing this actually kind of on and off for a while, where I think Jeff and Rebecca or Jeff and Amanda or whoever kind of seems to be like the right person talks about different stuff. They did, oh, what's that Tom Clancy book? You know, it was Alec Baldwin playing Jack Ryan. All I can think of is Jack Ryan. Like, what is what is the first book? (laughs) Hunt for Red October. Hunt Hunt for Red October. Yes. I was going to say, this is why I'm on the romance podcast and not the like Jack Ryan Stan book podcast. I don't I got nothing. But anyway, um, but no, I've listened to a few of them and they did Field of Dreams. 
They've done, uh, they did Shawshank Redemption. So they've done some really cool stuff. I think it's actually going to be really good. I'm, I'm excited to subscribe. And my sense, it, like I have not read every book or even watched every movie that they've done. And it's still just really fun to hear them kind of talk through a lot of the different pieces. So even if you haven't, if you're not a big adaptation person, if you feel like you haven't watched a lot of the movies or read a lot of the books, it's still a cool, it's still, I think it's going to be cool. I'm excited. Awesome. I'm going to subscribe. You know what else I'm going to subscribe to, Jess? What? Is the idea of romance recommendation requests. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Strong transition, I feel like. Probably the strongest in the show. So so everybody mark that moment. But we are actually still taking your, if you are gifting this holiday season, or if you are just sort of looking for yourself or looking for a friend or looking around for new kinds of romance, we do at least one episode every year around this time of requests. So send what you're looking for. We've actually gotten some already. We've heard from folks looking for books with very heavy pining. So I think that's <laughs> going to be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, medieval recommendations and paranormal books, but they're a little more queer than some of the ones that we have talked about and that folks are used to seeing. So that's what, that's just what we've gotten so far. I think that's our next episode, Jess, right? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's November. I mean, yeah. Somehow that's correct. <laughs> it is. It is November. So we'll be recording on, gosh, I think maybe November 11th for um, an episode that is airing November 15th. In the past, we've had enough requests for two episodes. And if that happens to be the case this year, then we'll do that again. Mm -hmm. But send those our way at whenandromance at bookriot.com. And then after that, we have the last book club when in Romance Book Club book of the year. And I'm excited because I have been deficient in my Rose Lerner reading, even though I keep acquiring her books. So um, Sweet Disorder by Rose Lerner. Grab the book, have a read, send us your thoughts by December 9th. And we get to talk about that. Hooray! Yeah, I'm excited too. I haven't read nearly enough Rose Lerner myself. And before we, so I don't know, we've got one kind of other announcement, but before we get into that, do you want to do an ad spot, Jess, or you want to, you want to plow through? Let's get that puppy out of the way. <laughs> All right. I am deferring to you. All right. So this episode of When in Romance is sponsored by Radish. Read on Radish Fiction app for free. You can read stories with memorable characters and tempting plots by talented, award-winning women authors. And you can get a free reward as soon as you sign up. For years, Scarlet has witnessed the war destroy her wolf pack. Countless warriors gave their lives, never returning home. The trauma has left her pack weary. To save the pack, Scarlet's alpha father agrees to marry her off to the infamous Blake their enemy pack's most arrogant and dangerous alpha. Scarlet's duty won't dampen her pride. She actively resists him, and he makes it ruthlessly clear that he won't be backing down. Ever. Love's a battlefield when Scarlet and Blake collide. And you can read more in Mated to the Alpha King on Radish. So once again, check out Radish Fiction. You can download the app for free. And get a free reward as soon as you sign up. So check out Radish Fiction. Thanks to them for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. All right. And then we wanted to, before we kind of get into some of our main topics this week, 
Jess, you flagged for me. I did not realize, but there is uh, a Roe anthology out in the world, Romance for Roe. It is ready and available for everyone, as far as I can tell. Yes, it, it was something that I was, I feel like I saw some muttering about it early on, but a bunch of authors, I think it's like 36 or 38 came together. And um, I think m- most of the material already existed in the world, but they put together this great collection. And, you know, you have some novellas, you have some full length novels there. And if you donate to, I think it was Planned Parenthood or Naral, then send them your donation receipt and or I, I think you either email it or upload it and you get a nice file in return full of books. And I don't think that they are on a specific theme. I think it's just here are all of these books and thanks for you supporting reproductive justice. Yep. And we will uh, include the link. Uh, you are right. It is either Planned Parenthood or Neural Pro-Choice. And there are instructions. It's very straightforward. As Jess pointed out before we started recording, it's just called romanceforrow.com. So it's super easy, but we will make sure that the link is in the show notes. And so you can, it'll be even easier because all you have to do is just click straight through. So yeah, and it's actually, I was looking, I was taking a look to um, some of the authors who are on here who I, I'm either confident we've talked about or think we have talked about are Jackie Lau, Nico Rosa is on here, Vanessa North, Eva Lee, Liz Lincoln, I think we've talked about, Katrina Jackson, we did a whole book club about. Mm-hmm. So there are some folks on here who I know that I really enjoy their work. There are others who are new to me, but that uh, I am excited to, it's 36 different stories, so you know, you're going to probably find something you're excited about. Mm-hmm. Just put it out there. Uh, but yeah, we'll have the link in the show notes. So take a look. All right. So this is a thing that I have been like sort of poking you uh, for a while being like, I made the- I think maybe we should talk about this. I think maybe we need to get into this. I think I have some thoughts. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. And we finally had a week where we had a little bit of time and maybe kind of impetus to talk a little bit, Jess about something that you and I know well and that that longtime listeners will know as well because we have actually recorded from Romance Cons. Mm-hmm. We've done it a couple of times. It's been obviously a while now because there have not been romance conventions or conferences for a while. And the landscape, I think, has changed a lot, both because of COVID, but also for reasons that are not really COVID-related. We had talked about uh, some of the changes that came to what used to be, oh gosh, I was going to say it used to be Book Lovers Con, but I think that's the name now. Yeah, RT. Yeah, it used to be um, RT. And that changed, that was already kind of in the in the shift of changing to Book Lovers Con. I think we both went to the first one of those. Mm-hmm. It was scheduled to happen right when everything sort of started to shut down. The RWA conference that was usually for more for romance writers, but when RWA imploded, <laughs> the conference and convention Kind of went along with it, but also COVID. And, you know, KissCon had become a thing for Avon, books published by Avon. And I just poked around a little bit earlier this week. I don't think that that is continuing to exist. I feel like for a variety of reasons, romance cons are not really... In in all of the things that are coming back from COVID, I, I feel like romance conventions are, are maybe not as much a part of that list. I don't know. I... 
Do you have a sense for, are there things that are out there that you have been watching for, that you're waiting for, that you think you're going to attend? Honestly, I'm not sure because it looks like they're going to try to have Book Lovers Con, but they're going to try to have it in a state that has had serious issues with COVID when we're not sure of what COVID's going to look like in a month and a half. So I don't know if they're actually going to be able to really have that. And, you know, there are some smaller ones like Romance Slam Jam and another one that that usually happens in Miami that's like really small and just a few of these other regional ones that I've been looking at that look like they're going to be mostly virtual again and might continue to at least be partially virtual in the future, which is great because we've discovered in this past almost two years that, you know, it's really great to be able to like, hear people talk and interact with them via like a chat or a Q&A without having to go to these locations. And yeah, we're losing out on some of the social stuff. But you know, if you ran into me at any of the cons in the past, you know that the social stuff isn't my favorite. So Mm -hmm. I'm sort of okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. But it's hard because, like, RWA is going, like, they're having a conference, but it's virtual this year. And it's hard to say, like, what what the world's going to look like next year in the case that we can have big events again. But I feel like that's kind of a thing that's going to be changed forever, just across the book world board. Most of the conventions and book festivals and stuff that I've seen that are not romance-dedicated have been sort of rolling out a little bit of the the hybrid thing with some virtual and some in person or rolling back all the way to virtual. So I think the whole, these things have been accessible to people and they can still get signed books, even if they can't like chat with people mm-hmm. has sort of made a difference. And, you know, that was the great thing about going to something like Book Lovers Con. It's like you not only met a whole bunch of people who are your online friends, but you get to chat with authors, even for the couple minutes that they're asking you your name and signing your book. Yeah. So like, I sort of hope that that doesn't go away forever, because it's that like little element that just brings a little more joy to the romance community. But, you know, it's hard to say. What do you think? Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned kind of the that signing thing and and that connection there, I think authors, part of what made me start thinking about this, I think authors are still into it. Because one of the things that I noticed is that a polycon, which Mm -hmm. had kind of started, so it's a a Jennifer Armentrout's conference, Jennifer L. Armentrout, I think there's like more than one Jennifer Armentrout. So let's be clear. I think there is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of history there. So a polycon, which I've been to at least once, and maybe part of it a couple of times. I noticed when they did the tickets for it, maybe about a month ago, I want to say like maybe late September, Mm -hmm. I think they were sold out within, I mean, it was under an hour. It was minutes. And the other thing that I noticed about it is that when I have either been to it before or like looked into it before just to kind of see who is going to be there, the list of authors who are going to be there this year are, I think, I think it's a significantly larger list of authors. I think you are seeing some of those 
maybe Avon authors who previously would have done KissCon are going to be over here. Sarah McLean is, is, is on the list. I remember seeing a couple of others like Priscilla Oliveras, uh, just like folks who, Mia Sosa, you know, like just folks who I don't remember it being this much of a, if there is an author you know of, there's a decent chance that they are going to be at a polycon. <laughs> and I almost wondered a little bit if some of that is the lack of KissCon, the lack of Book Lovers Con, because like you said, Book Lovers Con is happening, but I think they announced it within the last week or two. It's happening mm-hmm. the week before Christmas, which I realize not everyone celebrates, but many people do. And many people have plans, even if they're not celebrating that holiday. And it's in Florida. And it's, you know, it was just a very strange, this was not a, we're announcing in 2021 where the 2022 Book Lovers mm-hmm. Con is going to be, it, it seemed very kind of rushed in a way. So I guess that's all a very long way of saying I think authors are still looking for the opportunity to do these kinds of signings, these in-person um, engagements. I think that's great. And I think it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm super excited that, that all these folks are going to be able to be there and do that. I adore so many of the, uh, these authors. I think for me, though, the thing that I have always really appreciated and liked about conventions is, first of all, kind of the energy that comes with them. Like there's just like a, a really fun thing about being in the same place as people who are just really excited about the same thing as you are. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is I've always really liked the discussions and the panels and the conversations and hearing what people think about feminism and romance or, you know, queer identity and romance. It's an interesting way to learn some different things about the genre than you would know otherwise. And I worry that those are the things that we're going to lose because mm-hmm. you can do a lot of these online activities with bookstores. And and, I, and th- like you said, thank goodness for those because they have absolutely broken down a lot of barriers for a lot of people who couldn't afford or couldn't take the time to to attend a convention. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of those tend to focus on like, what is your book about? Tell us more about it. Who do you and all, all of that is also really interesting. But I yeah. think that we lose something when we aren't having some of those broader conversations around what what does it mean to be a part of the romance genre? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I'm hoping that we'll see more of that in the bigger multi-genre book festivals. Like I noticed that there was at least one panel in Las Vegas because three or four of the authors that I follow were on it and they were excited to to be there. And it was probably less of a tell us about your book conversation and more on a topic. And I know like here at the Tucson Festival of Books, they have at least two romance panels a day um, mm-hmm. for a weekend so that we can get deeper into very specific topics and i know that's that's four panels and not like 35 <laughs> but still yeah no that but, i mean yeah so like you're you're right it ha- it has been interesting to sort of watch some of these virtual ones that don't really get below the surface so i yeah i think that part of having the very specific romance con where people are talking about things that people know a little more about is something that hopefully will rebound when mm-hmm. the time comes that we can all get together again. Yeah. Well, and I think your point is a really good one that as maybe romance has started to become a little bit more mainstream, 
in the way that at least it's, I mean, it's included now in New York Times best of the year fiction lists or like it's, you know, it's, it is part of those larger book conversations. And so I think it may well be the case that some of that is replacing the specifics too. And, you know, you mentioned the Tucson Festival of Books. I know that the folks at the Mid-Continental Public Library have been for years doing some really mm-hmm. good work. And I think they did, I think they did their last two virtual but that's another group that may end up coming back with some additional content. So I think it'll be, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see, are there things that you think that we miss when we do these events virtually as opposed to in person? Or does virtually seem like actually a pretty reasonable substitution? It varies. Like, I love the virtual stuff. I hope it, I hope it never leaves. Um, Yeah, no, agreed. Not in place of everything, but just there's so many conversations that I wouldn't have been able to A, be a part of, or B, come back to listen to later um, if somebody hadn't realized that this was a thing that we could do while everybody was stuck in their homes. Yeah. But there is something about the in-person thing that we kind of lose and, you know, like, the Q&A is a little bit more curated, which is good in some situations, but also sort of takes away from the immediacy of the conversation. Mm-hmm. If there even is a Q&A. Like yeah. That's, yeah. So I will say, too, there's something about the kind of like anonymity and not living foreverness. That's a real word. <laughs> <laughs> but of, of asking a question in person in like a hotel conference room uh Mm -hmm. in front of 20 people that i like of of the i don't know gosh probably i'm not as good at remembering my my virtual romance events but i probably attended i don't know somewhere between like six and 12 of them i don't think i've ever asked a question because i am very intimidated by the fact that it might seem silly or it might not i don't know i've i've I don't, there's just something more intimidating about the fact that it's going to live on forever. And I know Mm -hmm. that that's probably just like a Trisha thing that I need to get over, but also it's, it's a real thing. So I think the point about the Q and A is, is actually a really good one. There's kind of almost like a, a, (laughs) this is a loaded word on a romance podcast, but like an intimacy to the Mm -hmm. kind of small group of 20 or 30 people or even 50 or 60 people but once something is recorded and going to live forever, I'm not sure if those those questions come in in quite the same way. Absolutely. And that could even also be said for the panelists. Like, there is definitely yeah. conversation that might happen at a con in a room with 50 people tops. Yep. That probably does not happen in a virtual setting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point, too. So... I don't know. I will ask you, but though, before we kind of wrap up this topic, as someone who, because you have also been on the other side of this, right? You you have a, an active role at, or have in the past of working on the Tucson Festival. Do you have a preference kind of as as somebody on that side of it for whether you'd rather be in person or virtual? I got to say, there is something to having a virtual event because having a virtual event means that you can have a historical romance panel with Beverly Jenkins and Julia Quinn on it. Yep. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But <laughs> there is also something about having it on site where people who wouldn't usually think about romance might wander in and be able to like hear something they didn't expect and meet 
the authors and see them and all of that. There's also on, you know, when you're part of the planning group of a festival, you have to think of where people live and if the organizers can afford to fly them out and all of that stuff. Whereas if it's virtual, you have to think about where they live, where they live based on time. Yeah. But yeah, it's less about having to deal with the money and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, because I'm guessing that when you said the thing about Beverly Jenkins and Julia Quinn, it's a those people, it, it would cost a lot of money to travel both of those people and probably be like cost prohibitive. Mm-hmm. But if they can attend virtually, then yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. Let me ask you, I know I said my last question was the last, last question, but I just thought of another one I'm going <laughs> to ask you anyway. What is, if there were a thing in this sort of age of COVID that could make you travel to a romance convention, as you have done in the past, at least a couple of times, because I've hung out with you there, mm-hmm. that would draw you to it, what would it be? Oh, gosh. That what kind of question is that, Trisha? <laughs> it's a very mean question to ask you with no advance warning. I just thought of it because I was thinking about it for me. So actually, I'll I'll tell you what. I will go first. I will yes. say this. I think if it was com, if there were panels and discussions that I was excited about, mm-hmm. and there were people like the people that I have in it. I mean, obviously, you are at the top of the list, but um, I've had a chance to spend some time with uh, Sarah Wendell at these kinds of conferences and our friend Amanda Deal, um, my friend Heather, you know, like there are I have met people at these conventions that I either had never even heard of before, but also had never met in person before. And Mm -hmm. like I said, there's just really something cool about coming together in person with people that enjoy the same things that you do and want to have the same kinds of conversations. And so I think if the panels were interesting or the discussions were interesting and the people were people that I really enjoy spending time with, and those two things I think are probably tied together, I think that would get me back out there. That's all good stuff. I would agree with that. I was going to say if it's in a place that I wanted to go. Yeah. Um, But if we think about Reno, like I never left the conference center except to go to the airport. So. Yeah, I think that was true for me in, in New Orleans also. <laughs> and I was like, well, that was maybe next, maybe I should come to New Orleans again and try again. <laughs> because, yes. yeah, same thing. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I'll say this, if it's a nice hotel, if it's a really nice space where you might want to spend, you know, four days in whatever part of the world, that's good to know. Yes, I will take that. Well, let's plan on keeping our eyes peeled in case someday in the not too distant or even distant future, we can record in person together, even though it actually makes, I think, our sound folks a little bit bananas because (laughs) it's actually way worse for them, for us to be in the same room. So uh, we will, we will, but we'll still keep our eyes peeled. You know what? I'll tell you what, we will invite Jen, our our audio editor, and we will have her come too. And uh, it'll be great. She can coach us through it. And she'll be excited because we have gotten her very, very, very much into romance, which I think, Trisha, you and I can high five each other on that. Oh, can and should. A hundred percent. Yes, that will be that will be the impetus. We will. Yeah, that is how we'll convince her to go there and and tolerate our in-person recording. <laughs> she can in-person edit, too. Maybe that's probably not a thing. I don't know. I don't either. 
Uh, all right. So before we hop over to our last topic of the day, let me do another ad spot that we are very, very excited about because once again, as has been the case in the past, this episode of When in Romance is brought to you by Sips By. Is there anything better than curling up with a steamy book and a steamy cup of tea? Sips By makes discovering tea fun, personalized, and affordable. The Sips By box is the only multi-brand personalized tea subscription box. Every month, Sips By plays matchmaker to help you discover delicious teas you'll fall in love with. Explore teas from over 150 global brands, big and small, based on your unique preferences. Gift cards and subscriptions are available at SipsBuy.com. That's www.sipsby.com. You can subscribe and you'll receive four new teas every month chosen just for you. Each SipsBuy box includes loose tea, bag tea, or a mixture of both based on your preference and makes 16 or more cups of tea. SipsBuy accounts for your caffeine tolerance, your flavor preference, and even your dietary needs. And this is one of my favorite sponsors that we ever get to have because they send us free tea and I'm actually drinking a ginger tea right now. (laughs) I will say one of the things that I really, really like about SipsBuy is that it gives me like the exact correct amount of freedom, right? Like Mm -hmm. they will say to me, what are your preferences? And I tell them, and they, without, you know, making me go too far outside the box of things that are are new to me, you know, they will send four different teas. Like I said, I'm drinking a ginger one now. It's called Three Ginger. I think I can taste all three of the gingers, to be honest, but whatever, no big deal. Uh, but I had one this morning that was a caffeinated tea called Blackcurrant Burst. It's a black tea. It's it's a, it got me kind of outside of my, my Earl Grey box. <laughs> but like still was a black tea and was caffeinated and I actually really liked it a lot. It's a like they know <laughs> they respect that I need a black tea in the morning, but they're kind of willing to say like, hey, Trisha, maybe maybe mix it up a little bit. Maybe drink a black currant burst tea. And I did. And I liked it a lot. So it makes me feel a little bit adventurous without actually having to be too, too, too brave. I don't know, <laughs> Jess, I think you have some spy as well. I do. And one thing that I noticed this time around, because they like, like Trisha mentioned, you take a little quiz, and they they get your answers and find the right teas for you. Is that since I've had to go on various weird medications this year, one of their questions is like, do you need something that won't that doesn't have herbs that will interact with SSRIs? And it was like, I didn't even think about the fact that there could be herbs and tea that interact oh, wow. with SSRIs. Yeah. So, so it's like they go that far into detail and like yeah. gluten-free. I forget that sometimes tea is not gluten-free, which is a strange thing to think, but apparently it happens. And I think last time around, I got like super wildly caffeinated stuff. So this time... Um, I asked for a mix. So there's like super caffeine tea, sort of like that black currant, and then like has caffeine, but not high caffeine and the no caffeine. And it's just, it's a, a nice way to know, to see what your types are. Because I realized at one point that I had all caffeinated tea in my cabinet. And yeah. it was like, well, what am I supposed to drink in the evening? I don't Mm -hmm. want to stay up till 4 a.m. So (laughs) having something like a 
light green tea, which is still caffeinated, but you know, not quite black tea mm-hmm. or a ginger tea. I don't really like ginger, but they got me with this one because if I sweeten it, it's delicious. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's like I had a coconut mango oolong tea that I usually drink milk with my tea. I didn't with that one. But I think that would have been really good with like a coconut milk. I don't know because I didn't have any coconut milk. But <laughs> it's nice to know that you have options. And like that's the thing too. They tell you exactly how long to steep it, what temperature. You know, it's there's a lot of very clear instructions. Yep. While also, like I said, it made me feel adventurous without actually having to like go high stakes on anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the cool thing is that for... When in Romance podcast listeners, you can use the code WIR, like for When in Romance, and you can get 50% off your first box. I will also say that because I don't want to deal with a lot of the like intense supply chain, blah, 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 dumb stuff, there are definitely members of my family that are getting a Sips by subscription for Christmas (laughs) because that is a thing my family celebrates. I had planned to do it last year and it didn't work out uh, for for my reasons, not, not the company reasons, but that is a... If you don't want to have to worry about it, maybe send your loved one some tea. Save 50% off, that is not kidding around, your first box by using the code WIR. So, yeah, I don't know. I think you and I are both very, very excited about this, Jess, and hopefully some of you will be excited about it too. Yeah, so I I hope that we've, we've properly sold it, but, you know, use that 50% and try it out on your own. Agreed. And speaking of things to try out on your own, oh, we thought we were done with like the brilliant transitions, but here we are. That was one of your best yet, Trisha. I mean, I think, you know, we're getting close to 100 episodes, so getting pretty good at this. Uh, (laughs) But our recommendation segment was actually, that was, this was your idea. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I was reading a particular book and I had just been talking about how I didn't like a certain element that popped up in this book as I was reading. And it was like, well, you know what, this is, this is going to be an exception. And I realized that there, there are occasionally exceptions to my personal rules. I, you know, I have hard limits that I don't want to read, but sometimes I'll pick one up anyway. Like, I always say that kidnapping is a hard limit for me. And then I read something where like, somebody isn't actually kidnapped, like they are taken from a bad home or like, there's a misunderstanding or something. But, you know, there there are things that I usually don't prefer not to read. I don't want to say don't like to read, but I'm not as excited about reading. Um, but also, like, there are things that are, like, emotionally, like, I'm un- emotionally unable to overcome when reading. So I was thinking about what are our exceptions to those rules. And those could be tropes that we don't usually read, or characteristics of main characters or other elements to the story or whatever. And what are some of yours, Jess? Do you have do you have one you want to start with? Well, how about one that I actually I've been meaning to read for a while, I bought it and was like, I'm gonna read this tonight, and then it sat on my shelf is a particularly seasonal read and it's called Paybacks a Witch by Lana Harper and it has actually two things that I usually prefer not to read. I discovered very early on in my paranormal romance reading that I am not a big fan of witches. I don't know what it is but you know 
Um, I started out with vampires, and maybe Anne Rice destroyed me for witches. I don't know. But like, anytime <laughs> yeah. I pick up a book where the central supernatural being is a witch, like, I am out of the story immediately. And the other thing about this particular one is an ex-revenge plot. And I'm cool with some revenge plots, like Mrs. Martin's Incomparable Adventure is, like, my favorite revenge plot of all time. Yes. But for some reason, when it's like, I gotta get back at an ex, either I watched a movie when I was younger that turned me off of that, or I just don't see the reasoning for it. But this particular story involves a young woman who comes back to her witchy town and the witch population knows it's a witchy town, but the tourist just thinks it's kind of kooky. Um, and she's been gone forever, but there's this competition happening and she has she's the arbiter of it. And she runs into an old acquaintance and it turns out that she and said acquaintance were both scorned by the same person. Not at the same time. Uh, she, for her, it was in high school, and for the other new acquaintance, it was much more recent. And it turns out that that much more recent was also when her best friend was in a relationship with this this same guy. So they come together to get back at him with the competition that's happening to, like, be the most powerful witch family in this town. So it's like... It's like, I'm not usually into the witch thing, but I'm really curious about this competition. And oh, then yeah. also three three women coming together to get back at somebody. And two of them are uh, set up to become a thing is definitely something that I will, I will pick up, even with my hesitance to do ex-revenges or witches. Well, that sounds delightful. <laughs> I don't know that I am necessarily pro or anti-witch. It sounds like a thing I need to do some more investigation on. I am pro-ghost, as we have discussed multiple times on this podcast. Gotta love a ghost. But one thing that I have, I'm always a little bit rolling my eyes at, is like the grumpy sunshine trope, which <laughs> uh, for folks who are unfamiliar, it's like a cranky person, usually a male person, and like mm-hmm. happy... In my mind, I think this is why I have a problem with it, like manic pixie dream girl person <laughs> who is usually mm-hmm. a female main character. There are some examples of this that are that work a little bit better that are uh, same sex for me. But the one that I, I found this year that I really liked also kind of it, and it doesn't have to be male, grumpy, female, sunshine. It just tends to be that way. The, what I found this year is that when I read Wild Rain by Beverly Jenkins, it turns out that Spring, who is the female main character in this book, is very much grumpy, and that uh, Garrett, who is the male main character in this book, is very much more on the sunshine side of the spectrum. And <laughs> it's, I don't know, I think something about it, I think something about the fact that, honestly, Spring had a lot of reasons to be very grumpy. She had had to put up with a lot of BS. Uh, mm-hmm. She had been sexually assaulted. She had been taken advantage of. She had been, you know, like, she has made her own way in a lot of ways in this world. And it, there is a lot of trauma in this book. There is a lot of seriousness. But there is also, I think, the sunshine part of it. I think Garrett's ability to sort of be like, oh, cool, you run a ranch? Great. Like, I don't <laughs> care that it is you know, the 1800s, and that's not really a thing that a lot of women do. Oh, you wear mm-hmm. pants? Cool. You look great in the pants. I'm very excited about it. 
and like there's there's kind of like a a joy or like a an uplift that he brings because her her sort of grumpiness and sadness and kind of closed offedness is very much earned and you kind of get it and it's also just very charming for him to be like yeah get, like you're doing great this is very impressive I'm very excited about how independent and strong you are and how much you have been able to do. And I don't care whether it's considered traditionally feminine or not. I just really like you and I think you're great. And I just, I don't know. I think for me that that just worked in a way that I had not seen it done as often. Mm -hmm. And Beverly Jenkins does everything she does very, very well. So if you are looking for a Grumpy Sunshine book that's maybe a little bit different from some of the Grumpy Sunshine that you are used to, maybe check out Wild Brain by Beverly Jenkins. Yeah. I love that grumpy sunshine thing. I will always fall for it. Like in any iteration? Are you good no matter what? No matter what. I just want somebody grumpy and somebody sunshine. All right. (laughs) Well, fine. I mean, and I will say I have fallen for Roy and Keeley on Ted Lasso. So that's fine. That's that's my one (laughs) exception. We'll have to have that conversation another time. Yes, absolutely. All right. But what are you less tolerant of, Jess, that you you found a way around? One thing that I've talked about before is that I'm not really drawn to second chances romance. And I don't know if it's because it's like something had to happen for them to be taken apart from each other the first time around. So why, why are they trying again? And you know what? Some people have been really good at doing it. Like I talked about a lot like audios last time, although I don't think the first chance was really a chance. Like, that was less second chances and more like late chances. Mm-hmm. But Saint by Sierra Simone not only has a second chance romance, but it also deals with what I thought was like a super hard limit for me. And that's emotional infidelity. And like, also like the another hard limit for me is physical infidelity. But for some reason, emotional infidelity is so much worse. And this particular series has a very interesting relationship with emotional infidelity because all three have main characters who are either married to or engaged to Jesus. So (laughs) if you're unfamiliar with this series, the first book was Priest, the second book was Sinner, this third book is Saint, which the main character is a monk. And he in a depressive state one night just like ended his relationship and drove to a monastery and you know not quite took his orders but you know started the process of getting to the fully fully married to god bit so when we meet him he's in a much better place than he thinks he was before but he's still got to deal with a lot of stuff including the fact that he realizes he's still in love with his ex-boyfriend which is really great when said ex-boyfriend shows up and is like i came to tell you i'm engaged to this other guy he's really great blah 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 and then said ex-boyfriend shows up a week later and is like i'm gonna be hanging out at this monastery writing a story for the magazine that i work for so there's that's rough (laughs) it's rough it's so rough (laughs) but sierra simone does this so well that you know you're still i'm still like Whenever I pick it up, I'm just thinking about this whole fact that not only is 
they're a person who is in a religious order who is planning on taking his vows, but there's also a person outside of a religious order who doesn't believe in God, for one thing, and is ready to take a vow in a courthouse, I guess, if he's not doing it in front of God. So you've got both of them, and maybe that they cancel each other out for me? I don't know. Um... But also, like, I am, I firmly believe in their ability to have a second chance because Sierra Simone finds a way for these godly people who feel like their only way is through taking orders to still be able to be as invested in their spirituality while also not having to be celibate and single forever. So that was Saint. But if you haven't read Priest and Sinner, be prepared. But also, I think if you are the right reader for it, you will like all of them a lot. All right. I don't think I can make Engaged to Jesus our show title, but if I could. (laughs) I mean, you could try. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, So the next book I will mention is one I – I know this is an unpopular opinion. I don't like enemies to lovers because mm-hmm. I kind of feel like if you're enemies with someone, either you figure out why you're enemies and you stop being enemies or you just avoid each other because that's how you deal with your enemies mm-hmm. or you just like talk trash about that person on your group text with your friends. Like, <laughs> you don't try to pursue them and fall into a loving romantic relationship. Like that's not a thing. So anyway, when I find uh, an example of it that I enjoy, I I get on board. Just Like This by Cole McCade is a book that I talked about a little bit earlier this year. And it is these two teachers at this private school. They do not like each other. They're probably talking a lot of trash about each other on the group text of their friends. But (laughs) they find that they actually have to start working together because there is a student that they're both very concerned about. And they are trying to figure out what's wrong with with this kid without jeopardizing the students' chances to be able to stay in this very prestigious private school. I believe the student is maybe on scholarship. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is that they are trying to help the kid that needs their help without really interacting with each other and then without, like, falling in love with each other. Mm-hmm. But there's it's like the cool, like, trendy art teacher and, like, the cranky football coach. Uh, so it's not quite a grumpy sunshine, but it is – for sure an enemies to lovers kind of a story and it ends up being very very charming like many cole mccade books and it's just one more really fantastic book i think this one actually came out last year but it's another karina adores book that they have Mm -hmm. just been crushing it all year they're one of my romance mvps i think for the air but just like this by cole mccade is somehow an enemies to lovers book where there's not a lot of group texting but there is a lot of sort of charmingness that I enjoyed very much. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did, because that that was definitely one of my favorites whenever I read it. And yeah. you know how I feel about em- enemies to lovers, most of which <sighs> for me are like more like rivals to lovers or like, I don't know that person, but for some reason I don't like them to lovers. Like- yeah, which is mostly <laughs> what it is. But yeah. just like, you know. You're allowed to just not like people and not fall in love with them accidentally. It's fine. Or sometimes you just do. And that's great, too. Yeah, we like it. The last one, uh, or the last exception to the rule, Trisha 
we discovered that we have (laughs) similar feelings about a particular trope. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this a little bit before that we both feel weird about like when employment dynamics are complicated, right? When there is someone who is employing someone else and they fall in love and then or they just like fall into feelings or they fall into lust, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It gets weird. And we talked about how that's a little bit that's complicated. And usually it can be very it's a very tricky needle to thread for an author to be able to make it work in such a way that it doesn't feel like anyone's being taken advantage of. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it helps when, like, the person who is the employer is, like, directly in charge of the person who's employed, but not in, like, an office situation. Like, I don't, it's hard to say why sometimes it's okay, but usually it's weird. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could read one where it's like the branch manager and another librarian or something like that, where it's part of a bigger bureaucracy. <laughs> but um, the the one that I recently read that was really a great exception to this was The Wolf of Wall Street by Lucy Eden. And no, it has nothing to do with Leonardo DiCaprio. No. It is actually a supernatural business, Beauty and the Beast retelling, (laughs) involving a wealthy CEO and the woman who comes to be his executive assistant, who wants to be an executive herself. And they have an immediate dynamic that one thinks is dislike and the other is like, well, that's my mate. So mm-hmm. there's there's that going on, which maybe is what made it less weird for me because there's the supernatural element to it. But then there are also some things that happen later that really, really do different things to their their dynamic. And there's still some social stratification within their work, but it's less about, you know, like HR. <laughs> Then it would be in a different situation, even if it was just like a non-supernatural billionaire CEO and his executive assistant or her executive assistant. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. And this one was on my list, too. And I when I saw you had picked it, I I swapped it out um, for a different one. But I do think that there is. Yeah, there's a really I think that actually I think. I don't want to spoil anything, but I think that one of the actions that one of the main characters takes maybe like two thirds of the way through the book is kind of what makes it stop being a little bit of an uncomfortable employee employer situation. Mm -hmm. And I think the book that I ended up picking that you actually, as it turns out, had decided not to go with for this category. We were actually considering the same two books for this, which kind of is hilarious and a sign that we've been doing this together for a long time. Yes. The Dating Playbook by Farah Roshan uh, that just came out within the last few months is a book where a, a personal trainer is, takes on a, a client who is trying to get back into the NFL. So Taylor is, you know, doing a great job. She was sort of featured on this YouTube video in the first book of the kind of the Boyfriend Project series. Uh, so she got a little bit of fame, but and she's met these two friends that kind of they're all working together, trying to achieve their goals together, kind of, you know, supporting each other, which is really lovely and wonderful. It's one of the best things about this series, I think. And uh, she happens to come across this guy who feels like 
she could be the right trainer to help him get back in the NFL. He's dealing with some kind of baggage about personal different things. And 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 I don't mean to use baggage to, to minimize it. It's, it's trauma and tragedy that he's also navigating. And so he hires her to be his trainer. And that gets a little complicated too. And I think part of what, again, without giving anything away, the way that things sort of evolve, part of what made me a little more comfortable with the way that this relationship ends up happening is the way that the romantic relationship happens and the way that the professional relationship happens. Mm. I think it's just very well handled in that Rashawn seems to understand that, you know, if you that there needs to be a little bit of breathing room between those two different those two different things. I will mm-hmm. also say this is sort of unrelated to the specific conversation we're having now, but this is also a really great book about a person who is genuinely struggling financially. Mm-hmm. That does not always happen in romance, but Taylor yeah. is really having a hard time. Like she is in a situation where she is making a decision between paying rent versus paying bills versus buying food and she has some people that can help her out. So she does have a, a safety net. But I think that's handled in a way that feels very real to anyone who has ever kind of had those struggles where they know there are people they can call on, but it's it doesn't feel right to do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just a great book. I liked it a lot. I will say there is some, because she's a trainer and kind of a nutritionist and dietitian, she does, there is discussion of some kinds of what's healthy to eat and what's healthy to move and all of those things. I think it's handled very responsibly. But if any of those things are, mm-hmm. are difficult for you, that's worth keeping in mind. So anyway, yeah, that's the dating playbook by Farrah Oshan. And I think that is, that's probably what we have time for, Jess. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, we could probably go on forever. But for now, yeah, maybe let's... we'll do a part two. <laughs> <laughs> now let's uh, close out. Don't forget to send us your requests. And we're going to be talking about those on our next recording and potentially the time after that. So if you have particular uh, types of books that you're looking for, or you're looking for for a friend or a family member, or person on the street, uh, send those our way. Definitely. You can send them to whenandromanceupbookriot.com. You can always send those or other thoughts our way on socials. I am mostly on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. And I am on Twitter at Jess's Reading, all one word, and on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. Huge thanks, as always, to our wonderful audio editor slash romance convert, Jen Zink. Jen is the absolute best and we I mean as messy as we might seem with her we would be so much messier without her so we are so immensely much. grateful yeah. <laughs> and in the meantime I am very hopeful for you all happy reading